<laughs> Come on. Give God the praise. Hallelujah. Let the glory of the Lord just come forth in and through our lives. He is worthy. So good to see you all in the house of the Lord here in our second service. We join you as we join everyone who is tuning in live and those that will be watching this uh, recorded later or listening to this on the radio. Uh, we give a big, big warm welcome from Christian Embassy. Come on, let's welcome all that are joining with us. If you're ever in the area, please come out to see us because these folks that I'm in this room with are amazing. And if you would just come and meet them, I guarantee you, you will be blessed because we got some good folks in the house, right? Look at the person to your right or your left and say, good folks are in the house. Amen and amen. It's such an exciting time of the year. My kids, they joked me. They said, oh my goodness, and during the feast times, daddy's like a kid in a candy store. I, I'm just like, wow. But the cool thing is that the feasts are not something that man came up with. It's not something that a council determined that this is what the ecclesiological body of Christ is going to do. No, it's what God said, that He said it on His calendar. And I'm telling you, this Wednesday, as we come approach, uh, will be the Day of Atonement. I've got a, a, a little thing I've been sharing with you, my little uh, overhead, to kind of help you see where we're at and what we're doing. And it's so exciting to see how God has planned this out with the seven feasts unto the Lord. And he said, these are feasts that are unto him. And they're not a Jewish thing. They are a God thing. And it's not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. Praise God. Just like with Easter every year. You don't have to celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday, but you get to. What a privilege to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. There's those four spring feasts uh, that Christ came the first time and fulfilled each and every one. As they had been prophetically given, he came and fulfilled them. Every jot, every tittle, he, just like he said he would, where the feast of Passover, it is not by coincidence that the Passover that began in Egypt when God told them to take the blood of the lamb, put on the doorpost and the lintel of their home, I mean, that death angel is passing with that plague that he would pass over them. That's not a coincidence that almost 2,000 years later, on the same day at the same time, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is hanging on a cross and shedding his blood. He is our Passover lamb. Hallelujah. And then the, uh, the, the uh, unleavened bread. He is the one without sin. Without leaven represents sin. He was without sin. He shed sinless blood to pay for our sinful account and to pay it in full. Then first fruits. The third, uh, that third day of first fruits where it represents that which came from the dead. Jesus rose up from the dead on the third day. Not a coincidence that on first fruits he rose from the dead. And then 50 days later, it's not a coincidence that he sent his Holy Spirit on the feast of Pentecost and baptized them with the power from on high and birthed the church. That's you and me. That was our birthday. Well, our birthday is on a feast day. Kids, can't you see why daddy's so excited about the feast? Hallelujah! Because we were birthed as a church on the feast of Pentecost, and now we're in that church age, and 
God has called us to carry the gospel message and to win the lost and to make disciples and he's coming back, he's coming back. Yeah, just like he's fulfilled all of the four spring feasts and he came just like he said he would, he's coming back the second time. But before then, there's Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets we were celebrating last Sunday where we see that the dead in Christ uh, shall rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. He's going to rapture his church. I'm telling you, just like he said, and that these fall feasts are yet to be fulfilled, waiting for the second coming of Christ, like at the Feast of Atonement at Yom Kippur, which is this Wednesday at sunset. Uh, we, we celebrate the Feast of Atonement. And then following that, the final Feast of Tabernacles, that's the Feast of Sukkot, where uh, God comes and tabernacles with us and sets up His kingdom here on earth as He's promised to do. We are in the midst of all of this. And this week is those 10 days of all. We're, we're counting down those as we're repenting, we're realigning, we're refocusing. We preached on this Wednesday night. A realignment, you're hearing it, says Pearl in the Spirit, realignment, refocus, repent as we are preparing for the Feast of Atonement. Hallelujah. So we're just excited to know that we're right in the midst of what God has said and what God has said He's going to do. Praise the Lord. Father, we just pray now that you would just minister mightily through your word. Holy Spirit, you would do a work in us and through us, cause faith to arise that we can take hold of that which you have promised so that we can not only be hearers of your word, but we can go into this week being doers in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Ready for the word this morning? Well, we're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 13 as we're talking about it's in the blood. It's in the blood, and not just any blood, but the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Hebrews 13 and 20, the Bible says, Now may God, the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. That's important. Say it. Everlasting covenant. Come on. Everlasting covenant. Not just covenant, but an everlasting covenant. Will He make you complete? He will make you. This everlasting covenant through His blood will make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And then Revelation 12 and 11, they overcame Him who Satan, they overcame that red dragon. How? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Praise God. It's in the blood. Now, I grew up in church, and um, I grew up in what I reckon was a church. It was, uh, it was calling itself a church, but it sure it, it, it didn't claim the blood. It didn't claim the power of God. It didn't claim the Holy Ghost. You know, it was just a lot of form there. But let me tell you what, uh, as I began to grow in some more full gospel churches, I would get in and I'd hear a lot about the blood of Jesus. I didn't hear that in the more traditional church, but as I got into this uh, spirit-led church and, and they were talking about the blood of Jesus, I didn't understand it. But they, they would say, I put the blood on it. And then they'd take their hand and go, mm, I put the blood on it. Mm. And I was like, man, that must mean I seal it or something. I, I put the blood, They'd be, whatever it was. My kid is got, got, dealing with a, a disease or whatever. They pray for him. Say, I put the blood on it. Mm. 
And I was like, wow. I reckon that means it seals it or whatever. But I'm here today to tell you, I didn't understand all of that then. But before you leave here, I pray today you will know what it means to put the blood on it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're talking about the blood of the everlasting covenant. It's in the blood. See, God is a God of covenant. You can go through the Bible in Genesis. He makes a covenant with Adam. He makes a covenant with Noah, makes a covenant with Abraham, makes a covenant with Moses, makes a covenant with David. And when it comes to Hebrews, we read about the everlasting covenant, not just covenant with David, but the everlasting covenant. Now, the everlasting covenant, even though it's the last one mentioned, it's really the first one created. Okay, because if you understand God, he's always he always begins where he ends. God starts with the end in mind because he's omniscient. He knows all things. So the everlasting covenant was the first covenant on the mind of God. Not the, uh, not the Adamic covenant, but the everlasting covenant. Therefore, as that was the first one on his mind, but yet it's the last covenant mentioned. He goes back and he rolls it out through time because it was there before anything else happened. It is the everlasting covenant. Now, understand that every thought that God has ever thought is contained in the I am thought. Remember when he, uh, Moses said, who shall I say sent me? When you're sending me, to Mo, uh, sending me to Pharaoh, he says, tell him I am, that I am has sent you. So every thought that God ever thought is contained in the I am thought. So when God said I am, it, he didn't come up with anything new because every thought that he's ever thought was in that thought. Can you get that thought? Okay, you got it? Amen. So, so God, let me just give you an example. From the very beginning, God already knew that Jesus was going to be crucified. It, 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 that was not a secondary coincidence uh, that took place there uh, because he tells us in Revelation 13 and 8, he was the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. See, God knows what's going on. Now, that should encourage you because God is not trying to figure out a way to help you. He is not going to the drawing board to see if he can get enough angels together to see if they could come up with enough power and enough wisdom and enough plans to help navigate you out of the mess maybe you're in. He's already got it figured out. He's already made a way where there seems to be no way. He is already the God who has provided for everything. He is the I Am. Before there was ever a problem, God already had the solution. Hallelujah. Now you should be encouraged by that as you live your life and you live it by faith with boldness, knowing that any obstacle or anything that ever comes against me, God has already figured it out and He has breathed it into the I am thought. He is the I am that I am. And understanding this, it, it helps us to better know why God created an, a man in the earth. Now I'm doing a little play on words here to make a point. See, God's purpose was to create an, a man in the earth, okay? That's why he connected Adam to both worlds. The Bible says that he created Adam from the dust of the earth so that he would be connected to the earth. 
But then he breathed into Adam's nostrils divine breath of heaven so that Adam was connected to heaven and the earth simultaneously. Do you see that? Now God could say something in heaven and Adam could be the amen here on the earth. Amen given the amen on earth, which means so let it be. So God could say whatever He desires to be done on earth, He now has a God-man created in His image that is connected from the earth and to the heavens and has within Him, within His blood, the breath of God so that He can amen whatever God desires and it would be so here on this earth. Amen means let it be. So the blood of Adam was different than all the blood of the animals, of the fish, of the birds of the air, and all the other creatures because God breathed His divine life into Adam's blood. He, he created him in His image and it breathed into him. He didn't breathe life into the animals. He did not breathe life into the fish. He did not breathe life into the birds of the air, but He breathed life. He put His breath in our blood. So when Adam got up, he, he got up with not just hemoglobin, but he got up with the breath of God in his blood. Now remember, we are created in the image of God. We are sons and daughters of God. So I want you to not uh, distance yourself too far from Adam, even though sin tried to do that. We know it's in the blood that brought us back to God's original creative order. But in the beginning, when Adam spoke, the world responded to Adam as if God spoke, okay? Adam was, the, the, he was not the strongest creature in the garden. He was not the fastest creature in the garden. He was not the largest creature in the garden. But he had no sense of alarm or hindrance because the world responded to what he said just as if God said it because he had the voice of God in his blood. But when Adam transgresses the law of God, he doesn't lose his blood type. However, he loses the God breath that's in his blood. That's when God said, if you disobey, you will die. Now, he didn't, hemoglobin didn't stop pumping through his blood. His physical body continued to live. But that breath of God was died. He, he was separated from God. And then Adam began to reproduce after his own kind. That's why the very first uh, children he has, there's Cain and Abel, and Cain kills his brother Abel. And God says, the voice of your brother's blood cries out to me. Our blood has a voice. Do you hear what I'm saying? It has a voice, but we need to get the voice of God back in our blood. It is foolish for us to think that we can kill each other on the streets and think that God doesn't hear about it. We are foolish to think that we can kill the lives of the unborn children and think God doesn't hear it. There is a voice of your brother's blood crying out to God and God says, I hear it. Yeah. Now, Thank God that God's plan was to redeem mankind back unto Himself through the blood. The Holy Spirit brings forth a child through the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit, God says, okay, I've got to redeem them. I want man on earth 
connected to the earth, but also connected to heaven. So I've got an amen on the earth. So whatever I want done in heaven on the earth, the man can amen it. And we're talking about mankind. We're not talking about gender here. So now he says, I got to get my voice back in them. I got to get the Zoe life back in them. I got to get it in their blood. So the Holy Spirit comes to a virgin and says uh, through the angel that you're going to have a child, but you're not going to know a man because the seed of Adam is passed through the man. We've got to not get one created after its own kind that has lost the voice of God. We got to get another one in the earth that has a voice of God to redeem and reconnect. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit brings Jesus Christ, the last Adam, not the second Adam, but the last Adam because it, no, nobody else has got to come. What he did is enough. And he gets around Adam's blood. As Romans 5 and 12 says, sin entered in through Adam's blood and passed on from father to father. But now we see God has a plan. See, God has a plan. And when God is the boss and God is the strongest and God is the wisest and God's going to outlive everything that ever lived, he is going to win. I'm here to tell you, you can get on God's side, you'll be on the winning side. You can get on God's side and you can know that no matter what hell comes against you, you're going to come out out in victory because our God is victorious. Hallelujah. God is going to get the last word. And he said, I started it out. I wanted man to be connected to this earth, but to have my voice and their blood connected to heaven so that they could say what I want them to say on this earth. And just as though I said it, it would be accomplished. I'm going to redo this thing. So now we see that through the virgin, Jesus, the last Adam, is born. And this is the first time someone walks on the earth since Adam in the garden who has the divine voice of God in their blood. There is no coincidence that John refers to him that he is what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's the voice of God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the Word, verse 14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. See, God takes his thought, God takes his breath, and he wraps it in flesh. Come on now. And when Jesus comes walking out, so for the first time since the first Adam had come and in the garden, now the last Adam is here to reverse the curse. Hallelujah. And he walks on and has uh, uh, to, uh, the earth that he walks on as Jesus is walking on this earth has to respond to him and what he says because he made it. Hallelujah. See, God not only creates, but what he creates, he continues to be with that which he created. God does not wind something up set it on the side, walk away, and just let it time down. No, God continues to stay in that which he created. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were made. For by him, how many things? All things were made that were created that are in heaven and are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. 
In him all things. Nothing would be that he created would be here today if it still were not in him and he uh, holding, sustaining it. It all in him consists. Hallelujah. For example, on the first day when God created and he separated the light from the darkness and that evening and morning was the first day, that is not, God didn't walk away from that because on the second day when he separates the waters from above and the waters from below, he's still in the first day keeping the light from the darkness. Then on the third day when he separates the water here on this below into land and water and puts these seed-bearing plants and trees on the land, then he's still in the second day keeping the water above and the water below separated. He's still in the first day keeping the day and the night. And then on the third day or the fourth day when he creates the sun, the moon, and the, luminary, <coughs> the luminaries, He's still in the first day, keeping the light from darkness. He's still in the second day, keeping the waters above and the waters below. He's still in the third day, keeping the water below over to its boundaries and the land with the seed-bearing plants and trees sustained. He's still there. And then you can go on to the fourth day and the fifth day when he creates the sea creatures and the birds. And on the sixth day when he creates the animals and he creates man, you see that he's still back in the fifth day. And there in the fifth day, he's taking to sustaining the sea creatures and the birds. And he's back in the fourth day. He's still making the sun, the moon, and the luminaries shine. And then the land and the waters and the trees and the plants, everything, he's still there. And then the Bible says on the seventh day he rested. And here uh, we are almost 6,000 years later and God is still upholding all things by the word of his power. There is power in his word. Hallelujah. Making, he's making sure even today he's still in it, making sure the rocks don't turn into birds and the birds don't turn into trees and the monkeys don't turn into people. He's still sustaining it all with its boundaries of how he originally created it. Hallelujah. So, so this helps us understand that when he comes walking on the water, you, you miss it if you think the water is holding him up. No. It is responding to him. He is actually holding the water up. The water remembers that on that day he was there and created it and has been there since to sustain it and it has to obey him because since that day he's been holding it up. All things consist in him. That's when, when Jesus spoke to the tree and said dry up, it had to obey. That's when Jesus spoke to a mountain and said, move. It had to move. He is showing us that, that all of creation is voice activated. It responds to his voice. And he is coming to give us sinless blood through the atonement to remind us uh, that he did all of this to get that divine voice back in us so that we could pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven so that could be the reconnection. Hallelujah. Jesus has redeemed us by his blood. You didn't get redeemed just to go to heaven. You are redeemed to bring heaven to earth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Thank God for heaven, but this earth needs the influence and the power of God flowing through the people of God until the next stage of God's plan is unfolded. So here we've got to understand Jesus has redeemed us by his blood. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. He wants to get the curse off of us so he can get his blessing on us. And the way he does this 
it's through a trail of blood, a trail of blood. This is a bloody word. This is a bloody message. But the good news is he shed his blood so that you don't have to shed your blood. He came to be the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I don't have to be sacrificed. It is a trail of blood. First Peter 1 and 18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but you've been redeemed by what? The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Hallelujah. Now, now here's something worthy to note. That when they would bring the lamb to the priest for its blood to be shed on the altar, the priest did not examine the man who brought the lamb, but rather he examined the lamb that the man brought. Do you see that? That when the man would come and bring the lamb, the priest would look to see if it was a spotless lamb without blemish. He examined the, blamp, the lamb to see if its blood would be worthy to cover for the next season. He didn't examine the man who brought the lamb, but the lamb that was brought by the man. Now that comes to us today that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because our lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, when the Father looks at him, he sees righteousness, he sees holiness, he sees perfection. And if we are in Christ and we by faith have adopted him and given our lives and sold out our lives and surrendered our lives to live under his lordship and his rule of our lives, uh, the, the Father looks at the lamb, the offering, not us who bring the lamb to him. Hallelujah. So we are now, therefore, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, as the word says. The Bible teaches us in Revelation 5 and 9 that we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb. That word redeemed means to purchase, to pay ransom, to buy back that you've been held in hostage, you've been held a ransom, has been placed over your head. Something evil has captured you. Something evil has enslaved you. Something evil has held you in bondage. And the ransom has been paid. You have been redeemed. It's time to come out of prison. It's time to come out of slavery. It's time to come out of bondage. It's time to come out of hurt. It's time to come out of uh, damnation and into the Father's blessing. Hallelujah. But most Christians stop with redemption as just being forgiven. But let me tell you what, there's so much more than that. It's in the blood. I'm telling you, we need to do like the old timers said, we're going to put the blood on it. <clears throat> Feel that thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I'm telling you, we have been redeemed in so many areas. On, the, on this day of atonement, that we'll be celebrating this Wednesday evening, the high priest Aaron would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take a bull ram and he would take and, and shed its blood for he and his family. Because in Christ, we all need redemption. There is none of us beyond the need of God's amazing grace. For all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. That, that don't make no preacher any better off than anybody else. We all have to come and be redeemed by the blood. So Aaron would take the bull ram and he would take its blood and under God's specific instructions, he would go into the Holy of Holies and he would sprinkle the blood seven times on the altar to be redeemed for this next year. 
And then he was to take one of the two goats that the lot fell on. One scapegoat gets a a different assignment, but this one goat, he would take its blood for all the people of God and he would go in and he would sprinkle the blood seven times on the altar. Now this is very, very important because we are not redeemed just to go to heaven. we got to understand that God has redeemed us to bring heaven to earth. If you were to go back to the garden when the voice of God was in Adam before he sinned and that spiritual death took place, you got to see what God wanted. Was there any sickness in the garden? The answer would be no. Is there any poverty? Was there any drug addiction? Was there any alcoholism? Was there any child abuse? Was there any hate? Was there any prejudice? Was there any racism? Was there any divorce? Was there any suicide? No, no. You don't see any of that there. But when the devil attacks us, we need to say, wait a minute, we are the redeemed children of God and we're not going to tolerate this stuff in our lives anymore. We're no longer a prisoner. We're no longer bound. We've been redeemed by the blood of God. The voice of God is back in us. We have authority over all the power of the enemy and it's time that the people of God, the children of God, say something and put a stop to the tyrancy and the rule of the enemy. See, when we understand this, instead of waking up and worrying about what the devil is going to do to us this day, rather, he will be worried about what we are going to do to him. Because we're driving out darkness with the light of God and we're expanding God's kingdom here on earth. I'm telling you this can happen when you know what the blood of Jesus has provided for you. We have overcome, Revelation 12 and 11. We have overcome, not we're overcoming, not we're just barely getting by, not that we've got a higher score than we would have had before. No, we have overcome that devil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We've got to get the blood back on our, in our, uh, the, the blood of Jesus back on our blood, the voice of God back in our blood so that we can speak with our testimony the power of God as well. Hallelujah. There is life-changing, devil-destroying power in biblical revelation. And it's the truth that we know that sets us free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's the truth you know. We got to know. We got to know. And I think that's why even with the feast, God knows that we need to keep coming back around and around and being reminded over and over so that it's not just a head knowledge, it becomes a heart knowledge so that we can truly, rather than just parrot, I claim the blood, we can stand up knowing who we are, redeemed uh, uh, sons and daughters of God with the authority of heaven uh, to let an amen on the earth come in agreement with the will of God in heaven and see it manifest before our very eyes. Now Aaron, on the day of atonement, This Feast of Atonement, Yom Kippur, will go in and sprinkle the blood seven times by God's instruction on the altar. Well, I found in study that there were seven places Jesus shed His blood. And if we're redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, redeemed, the ransoms paid, we're brought out of bondage back into freedom, uh, brought out of curses back into blessing, I say it's time that we know the truth and let this truth set us free. So we're going to look at those seven places uh, that Jesus shed his blood. The first was in a garden. There he was in a garden. You know, the first Adam in a garden gave it all away. 
And the last Adam comes back in the garden to get it all back for us. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that there Jesus is praying and, and he, knows as, he knows what's about to come. He knows the crucifixion. He knows the whipping post. He knows the, the uh, abandonment. He knows the rejection. Everything that's going to come. But he says, Father, if there's another way, take this cup from me. But, but not my will. Thy will be done. And when he said that, he sweat great drops of blood. And at that moment, he redeemed our will. Hallelujah. He redeemed our willpower. Praise God. That iniquity that had been passed down to us, that had us with a bend away from God, has been removed. And now we got the want to, that we want to serve God. I'm telling you, we want to live for God. I'm telling you, you want to serve God in a way that will bring glory and honor to Him. When I got saved, there, was, there came a want to in me that wanted to rise up every day and honor the Lord. You say, well, I've never got that want to. I would say get on an altar as we're coming up through these days of all and repent, refocus and realign and get Jesus Christ 100% Lordship of your life so that, let me tell you what, He can redeem your willpower to where you want to do what's right. You don't want to do what's wrong. That by His Spirit in you, power in you and guiding you with wisdom and direction, you can go forward in that. Some people say as the world does, once a junkie always a junkie, but the word says he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm telling you, Jesus has redeemed your willpower. You, he has given you the ability by his spirit through the redeeming work of Calvary for you to say no to the devil and yes to God. He has given you that ability. He is, all you got to do is take it. In the name of Jesus, you've been redeemed to say yes to Jesus. I heard somebody tell me one time, I, I, I would like to serve God, but I, I just can't surrender. I just can't surrender. I said, let me tell you what. If you right now will listen to me, Jesus has made it possible for everyone under the sound of his name and his voice that will call upon his name to be saved. You, God has not excluded you. God has not made it harder for you. Jesus shed blood through sweat as he said, Father, not your will, not my will, but your will to reverse the curse of what uh, Adam said, not your will, but my will. And if you will surrender to him right now, let me tell you what, there can be a re regeneration. You can be born again. You can be justified. The sanctifying work of the Spirit of God can begin to work in in you. And he says, I never thought of it that way. Let's pray. And we begin to pray and he broke and began to weep and he's still serving the Lord this day, right now, 30 some years later, he's still serving in the Lord. Let me tell you what, don't you listen to the lie of the devil. Jesus has made it possible for you, every one of us, to call on the name of Jesus. And if you've not called on the name of Jesus, I wouldn't even wait till the end of this sermon. I'd call on his name right now. Jesus, Jesus, come be my Lord, my Savior. I surrender my life to you. I surrender because you've redeemed my willpower. I can say yes to you, Jesus, and no to you, Satan. Hallelujah. <clears throat> the high priest sprinkled the blood seven times on the altar. The second place we see where Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities in Isaiah 53 and 5. When you're wounded, you're bleeding out. There's a laceration and it cleanses that wound. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. It doesn't cover us. It cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that our sin that was as scarlet can be white as snow. It can be pure as wool as it was red as crimson because of the blood of Jesus. 
So we see he was wounded for our transgressions, but it goes on in that verse and says he was bruised for our iniquities. Now, a bruising and, uh, <clears throat> is that which is uh, uh, a damage that is done, and we see from the swelling and from the discoloration of the blood that was spilt underneath the skin. See, the Bible says that the sins of the Father pass through the Father from generation to generation. And uh, uh, it doesn't say the sins of the Father passed down. It says the iniquities of the Father passed down from generation to generation. So my dad, his sin is I'm not held responsible for that. But there was an iniquity, a brokenness. Iniquity means that which is broken beneath the surface. We get our word, a fault line from this Greek word of iniquity. Something that's weak under the surface. It looks good on the top, but there's a tendency underneath that when the pressure's just right, destruction will come. That iniquity is passed from the father through the father's uh, uh, seed. And uh, so we're all born with weaknesses, tendencies, generational curses, things that we have a tendency to that, uh, you know, that, that, is, that when the pressure is just right, the enemy knows how to push the buttons and cause that thing to come out. Well, the good thing is a bruising is a bleeding beneath the surface so that the blood could redeem the weaknesses that we have beneath the surface. Hallelujah. So you can tell those iniquities, it stops right here. Alcoholism was in my family, and generation after generation after generation, there was alcohol. But when I got this revelation over 15 years ago, maybe 18 years ago, uh, actually, town 21, 21 plus years ago, I said, when my son is born, my first child is born, I put my foot down and I break this family curse. I break this generational curse. And then I put the voice that God had redeemed, my voice, I put the voice of God through my lips on my family tree and I said, there will be no alcoholism from this day forward. There will be no promiscuity. There will be no unfaithfulness. All those weaknesses that were there, I said, all that lawlessness, all of that stops right here because of the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, so I'm talking about blood fault power uh, on the inside of every man and every woman that you and I can tap into and, and this we must do. You need to put uh, your foot down and say it stops here. And this also includes with the bruising our inner image of ourselves because Matt, uh, Isaiah said the image of Jesus was so distorted that he, you could not even recognize him. He was beyond recognition. So his image was distorted to write our distorted image. So when you look in the mirror, you can now say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You can look in the mirror, and when you get your image healed, you need to let God heal your image right now. He redeemed. He shed His blood. He, he, he took on distorted image to heal you from a distorted image. So now when you look in the mirror, you can say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am in the right body. I am in the right gender. I am in the right race. I am who God made me to be. I am at the right height. I have the right tone of skin. I have the right this. And whatever it is, Jesus will heal your image and you can be who God created you to be. Hallelujah. Aaron is sprinkling the blood seven times on the altar. 
We see another place Jesus shed his blood, and that was when they tied him to the whipping post. And those in Isaiah 53 and 5 says, And by those stripes we are healed. They begin to beat Jesus and beat him on that whipping post. And by those stripes we are healed. And Peter tells us in the New Testament, after Christ has ascended unto heaven, that by his stripes you were healed. It's a done deal. Hallelujah! You've been redeemed by the blood. So now you can say, I don't need to live and, and, and just take what infirmity comes against me. I've got power to fight it back. I've got authority to fight back. I can come against it in the name of Jesus. I can put the blood on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And then another one was when they took that crown of thorns and placed it on Jesus' head and on his brow. And you know, the Bible talks about thorns and thistles as a part of the, of the curse of poverty. Jesus redeemed us from the curse of poverty. But He also redeemed our whole mind and our mindset. Uh, because sin, uh, Adam's sin, caused a curse on our mind. I grew up with a sickly mindset, a failure mindset, a poverty mindset. And I remember even in the early days of this church, I lived from the 80s until the mid-90s, uh, I lived with sickness. And I, and I just thought that's how it's supposed to be. I remember in the early 80s, I made a, took a trip first time to New York City, and it was in July, a record-breaking heat. It was so hot that people were going to the hospital because their feet were being blistered through their shoes and they were having to be uh, carried about in wheelchairs because of the water balloons on the bottom of their feet. It was that hot. And I was in the city and I contracted, um, uh, what is it, strep throat. Uh, never had that strep virus ever in my life. And that thing came and I, I always said, well, whatever I have, I can, you know, I'm like a dog. I'll go into the house and if I live, I'll show back up. If not, y'all can just drag me out when the smell gets too bad or whatever. Just leave me alone. And uh, that thing got worse and worse and it came out of my mouth, over my tongue, into my lips, on my face, up into my ear. And, uh, and we were traveling back and we were in Pennsylvania and some family members of mine said, uh, I've never seen anything like this. We've got to stop. And they stopped at the hospital in the emergency room. The doctor's shooting me up with penicillin shots and fussing at me, saying this thing has also gone down your esophagus, going into your heart. Do you not understand this going up into your brain? What is wrong with you? You know, like, like I was some crazy. And, uh, and then gave me penicillin. And we went on our way. And, and it was like a week later before I could ever swallow. Or It was horrible. But then after that, 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 that sickly mindset was there because they said you'll never be healed of this it'll always lay dormant and if you're not you know if you don't keep your immune system up that thing's gonna come right back so I had that sickly mindset and it was like every quarter I would get strep throat and I'd run to the doctor and I'd get antibiotics and it got to the place that I was going so much that the antibiotics didn't seem to it didn't respond to the antibiotics and they're trying a different antibody and they're telling me you know this is dangerous because what if we get an antibiotic that, that it doesn't respond to this thing will kill you and I live with that in the back of my mind and I'm like, you know, here I am, a preacher, and the devil's attacking my throat and, because he's, you know, and I just got to learn to live with it. This is what I got 
to learn to live with. But when I got this revelation, hallelujah, we had a preacher fly us to the West Coast and put us, I said, we're going to pay your airfare, we're going to put you up in a hotel, we'll have transportation limousine you in and out because there's something God said we need to get to you. And we went, and we went, and I'm telling you what, I got this revelation about that I've been redeemed. My mind has been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I put my foot down and I said, strep throat, you gotta go. Poverty, you gotta go. Generational curses, you gotta go. And I can tell you in the 21 years plus that our children's been born, they never known daddy to go to the doctor. They've never known daddy to have strep throat. They've never known one day that we lived in debt. They've never known any of that because everything that I'd lived with, that sickly mindset, that failure mindset, that poverty mindset, I got the revelation of the truth and the truth has set me free. And I can't just hold on to it by myself. I got to give it to you and I want you to see it and I want you to live it and I want you to have it and I want you to experience it. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. Hallelujah. He nailed Jesus' hands to the cross and there He shed blood from His hands, the symbol of authority and work. See, when Adam fell, Satan became the authority of this world. But Jesus said, I'm not going to stick with this. Remember what God creates, He sustains, He stays with it. And He said, this thing got off track. This thing got out of alignment. I'm going to get it back in alignment. He said, I'm going to get my voice back in the blood of an Adam, a man that can be the amen here on this earth for me. So the second Adam, the last Adam, came to redo and fix what the first Adam messed up. Hallelujah. And He did it by His blood. And He came, and one of the things is, the authority that he had given Adam he now gives to us so now you have the power of God and you have the responsibility from God to advance the kingdom of God with the things that you place your hands to he said whatever you place your hands to will be blessed whatever you touch shall prosper some of you feel like everything I touch falls to pieces you need to curse the curse in the name of Jesus and welcome in the blessing and say these are hands that belong to Jesus I've surrendered them to Jesus the hands of Jesus nailed to a cross redeemed these hands uh, that now what I put these hands to the job that I put these hands to the family I put these hands to uh, the, the, I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover I can cast out demons because the authority has come back to me because of the blood of Jesus hallelujah and then they nailed his feet to the cross feet is that where, dominion and the Bible says that he now heals every place that we walk Joshua 1 and 3, every place that the sole of your feet shall tread, God said, I'll give it to you. Hallelujah. David said, you have delivered my, uh, you have delivered, uh, my eyes from tears. And God, you have delivered my feet from falling. Somebody needs to claim that right now. You say, oh no, I get so far and I get so far and then I fall. And I get up and I get so far and then I fall. And that's my life. No, no, no. It's time for you to go from glory to glory. It's time for you to go from faith to faith. It's time for you to go from power to power. Hallelujah. And see an advancement in the kingdom of God. You've delivered my eyes from tears, oh God. And you've delivered my feet from falling. Hallelujah. So no matter what's going on, all you got to do is keep on walking. Do you hear what I said? Your feet have been redeemed by the the 
blood of the Lamb. Whatever's going on, you just got to keep on walking. You may be going through the valley of the shadow of death, but you don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because you just going to keep on walking. Your feet have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You might find yourself in a fiery furnace. Guess what? You don't have to camp out there and burn up. No, just keep on walking. Just keep on walking. Hallelujah. He has given us dominion over our walk. So now when you walk down the street, you know that I am ushering in the kingdom of God everywhere the soles of my feet shall tread. Praise God. Seven places the high priest would sprinkle the blood. And the seventh place we see from Jesus is when the soldier came up to him and they said, you know what? We've got Sabbath is coming. We don't want these Jews in an uproar. We've got to get these men dead. And the death on the cross was asphyxiation. They would hang there and they finally get to the place they could no longer push themselves up the exhale and inhale and go back down. So, and to speed it up, they would break their legs. They would take the spear between their legs and just pop their legs so they could no longer push themselves up. But when they got to Jesus, they thought they were being smart alecks. But the Bible had prophetically said not one bone in his body would be broken. So this soldier thinks he's being Mr. You-know-what. Oh, this one here, I'm not going to give him that way out. You know, maybe he's already dead. Oh, look, he is dead. Maybe he's playing possum. I don't know. And he takes his spear and stabs him in the side. Now, he thinks that that was some heroic thing for the Romans. But let me tell you what. That was advancing the kingdom of God right there. Because in John 19 and 34, the Bible says blood and water immediately came out. Blood and water came out. So this tells us through medical studies, they tell us that this shows that Jesus did not die the death of asphyxiation. He did not suffocate on the cross like the normal death that he died of a ruptured heart, that his heart broke in two. He died of a broken heart, causing the blood and the water to mix and then to pour out. Let me tell you what. Why did Jesus die of a broken heart? Well, do you not remember the very first thing that he ever preached when he got there? He said, the, the Spirit of God has anointed me to what? He has anointed me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus says, if you've been abandoned, you've been molested, you've been physically abused, uh, you've been fallen, falsely accused, you've been raped, you've been cursed, you've been uh, 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 left uh, uh, and, and, and betrayed, whatever it is that the enemy's tried to do to break your heart. Jesus says, I care about your broken heart. I even shed blood to redeem your broken heart. You don't have to live with that brokenness for the rest of your life. You don't have to live with that pain for the rest of your life. You don't have to live with that sh a shadow of guilt or condemnation for the rest of your life. I've come to heal your broken heart. I want to turn your your hurt into a halo. I want to turn your scar into a star. I want to heal your broken heart, saith the Lord. So here, seven places Jesus shed his blood to redeem us, to bring us back to where the first Adam was before he fell, restored to us by the last Adam. What we got to do is put the blood on it. <clears throat> we got to put the blood on it. And Jesus said, so you don't forget the importance of my blood and the everlasting covenant. He said, I want you as often as you will to take the blood of the grape and the broken bread to be reminded of the value, the worth, the power of my blood. Our ushers are going to come now.